Wow. I want to thank you for watching another episode of the Controversy Podcast. This one, this one is special. Let me tell you why. Today is October 24th. Today is my birthday. Now, you won't see this episode until sometime in January, maybe even later. But let me tell you why I had to record this episode today. Since 2014, when my dad died, my birthday has not been nearly as much of a celebration as it was before. The month of October has become pretty difficult to um, to, to live through and, and to find joy in. And as part of my therapeutic process, I wanted to be able to take back the joy in this day. And here's the irony. I was preparing to actually record this episode. I started to outline some of the things that I wanted to talk about. And I was watching The Potter's Touch and Bishop T.D. Jakes preached a, a sermon from John 5, the healing at the pool. And he, his sermon just up and down, up and down my timeline. And it gave me a scripture, uh, a scriptural um, foundation for the conversation we're going to have today. The story of the healing at the pool, Jesus was walking. Um, and, and when he arrived at the pool of Bethesda, he met a man who had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a very, very long time. Now, when Jesus saw him, he asked him, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be healed? Now, his answer, his answer revealed quite a bit about the nature of what he was going through, uh, the stories that he was telling himself about his own healing. This isn't even about Jesus and the healing itself. It's about the man and why he laid by that pool for 38 years without ever getting in and receiving his healing. The irony, of course, is today is my 38th birthday. I am Brandon T. Bailey, and this is Controversy. So I talked a little bit about the body keeps the score in the previous episode, and I absolutely know that that's true because I remember October 11th, 2014, like it was yesterday. Um, growing up at Salem, uh, the first Sunday when, when we would sing the medley of, of good gospel churchy songs, one of my favorite parts of that was singing, I remember that day. And when I tell you all, I remember that day with such detail and clarity. When I sat down to write the book, it almost it almost surprised me how easily I could recall detail after detail about what was happening, how I was feeling, what was going on that day. Now, I couldn't tell you what I was wearing. I couldn't tell you, you know, what I had for lunch. But just moment by moment, as I walked through that experience, so much of the memories just came pouring back. Now, I use the book um, as the, the place to really share this story. So I don't, I don't want to do that here. Um, but what I learned about 
um, what was happening that day and, and ultimately what has come from, you know, what happened that day is deeply embedded in the research around trauma around the flight the fight flight or freeze response and a really cool hand model that dr um as i'm looking for his name because i don't remember dr dan siegel uh dr dan siegel ultimately shared with us so that's that's kind of where i want to start fight flight freeze this is the body's automatic built-in response designed to protect us from threat of danger uh, it's triggered when our stress hormones tell us that we are in a situation that might be threatening or dangerous to us. And we respond in one of these ways. I, um, in my head, have always had this picture of, you know, running into a bear, walking through the wilderness and running to a bear. You know, you've got a decision to make in that moment. And, and people will either decide to fight to stand there and, and, and fight the bear uh, to turn around and run as fast as you can and hope to outrun the bear or freeze in absolute terror. Now, research has actually added a couple of uh, additional categories to that list, but I, I don't want to get into that because honestly, I think that those three pretty much summarize the point that that I want to make today. Um, during the fight, flight, or freeze response, many psychological changes occur in our brain. Now, I am by no means a neurobiologist or someone who professes to be an expert in the brain, but what I did was I, I sought to understand what was going on in, in, in my life and, and in my experiences. Um, and as I dug a little into the ACEs research, I ran across a study by a guy named Dr. Dan Siegel. And I'm going to share uh, some of his research in the show notes so that you can explore for yourself. But I think he has a great hand model for understanding and demonstrating how the brain works and, and, and how the fight, flight or freeze response for people who are impacted by consistent and frequent trauma and undealt with trauma uh, will often get frozen or stuck in that high tension, high stress uh, feeling of threat and danger. So the, the hand model goes like this. So, uh, you know, just referencing my notes again, because I'm not I'm not the expert here. But if this is your brain, this front part he calls the the upstairs brain and the upstairs brain is the cerebral cortex this is where balance where normal logical behavior it ultimately happens so if you think of yourself in a high stressful situation and you respond calmly and you respond um appropriately right it's because of this part of your brain now under here, he calls this the downstairs brain, or this is the, the hippocampus. Now, this is where big emotions, high energy, lots of anger, you know, the, the, the term flipping your lid, right? We think of that as kind of a colloquialism, but it's, it's actually a scientific term in that when your brain experiences so much stress that it flips the upstairs, the, the upstairs brain open and the hippocampus or the downstairs brain is exposed and it's firing. And now this is the person who is just responding at a heightened sense of of urgency right this is the person you kind of look at like 
is it that serious? <laughs> um, what's really important about this example is um, toxic stress. This this is what toxic stress looks like. It is the relentless fear, anxiety, uncertainty, terror that can cripple. Now, the context is the child's developing brain. But what's interesting is for children who experience high stress and high trauma, they become adults. If they have not ultimately learned to deal with it, then they become adults that are frozen in this state. So now a normal uh, situation, a normal problem where most people would respond logically, calmly, they are responding as if they are in constant danger and constant fear and constant threat. This was interesting to me because I, I have fighters in, in my family. I have fleers in my family. I think of a fighter as somebody who's, who goes after the, um, the, the, the controversial uh, situations or, or, you know, they're ready to take on conflict. The fleers are the people who avoid it at all costs. Like I just, I do not want it. If I see or feel like it might be conflict, I'm going the other way. And I never considered myself to be a freezer. But what I realized is in the years post 2014, this is where I was stuck. So everything I faced felt like this. But what happens when you have to face all of these varying life situations and decisions, but your response was the freeze. So when it was time to take appropriate and direct action, it was here. Now, for you, you you may not be the person who experienced high stress and you may not be the person that can relate to flipping your lid. You may not be the person who, um, you know, struggles with dealing with just basic trials and tribulations, but you know somebody who is like that. And, and, and one of the things, one of the controversial issues for the church is how do we deal with those people? How do we talk to those people? What do we say to them? Nothing frustrated me more in the 2014 season of my life than responses like, well, pray about it. I can't hear that like this. That's a this kind of response. Well, some things come only by fasting and praying. I can't hear that like this. That's a response for this. Um, you know, take it to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> and and I, I want to suggest to my listeners that although as Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says that everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under under the heavens we all have a season where we are going to face immense challenges we all have season in our in, in our life where we're going to deal with difficult situations and we're going to deal with difficult decisions but we never realize how the effects, how the impact of the things before that we may not have dealt with later can leave us in a state where this is the only way we respond. This is dangerous. This is deadly. And if we can recognize it in childhood and teach adults how to deal with it, what kinds, what kinds of better decisions could we make? What kinds of better advice could we give? This, this was the backdrop for my season of loss.
Stages of grief. Here it was in 2014, I experienced the miscarriage two weeks later, uh, the death of my father. A uh, couple months later, the ending of a business relationship that cost me 90% of my income. Um, a relationship under stress and strain, a new child uh, that we didn't know at the time, but was autistic. Um, I mean, you just, you just, <laughs> you name it. And I feel like I dealt with it between October and December of 2014. Seasons of loss. And how do you grieve? How do you face those those losses well research says that the stages of grief are denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance and you know most people would hope that we would face those stages either in some kind of logical order or uh, uh, progressively but the reality is sometimes you kind of deal with them all at the same time and, and, and process through them slowly. But the context for dealing with all of those stages is that brain situation we talked about. So here we are with the lid flipped, stuck open in a almost permanent frozen state and to add you know weight to that is not having the skills or the vulnerability or the desire to share and so quietly suffering from denial disbelief um lacking acceptance lacking belief that you know, why, why me? Why, why this God? Why now? I mean, you name it. And all of these questions come in. Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure when I arrived in acceptance. I, I, I really believe that a part of my acceptance stage was once I started rebuilding and once I ultimately jumped into therapy and, and really started searching for a new path. But that depression stage was um, pretty bad. It, it, it was pretty it was pretty weighty. And one of the things that I got from therapy one of the things that I got from books that I've read, one of which I'm going to share with you in just a moment. And, and one of the things that I got from Bishop Jakes's sermon is the importance of the stories we tell ourselves. So in John 5, 7, Jesus sees this man who has been an invalid for 38 years. Now, I'd like you to put yourself in the man's position. He's been laying by the pool, knowing that if he got into the pool, he could be healed. But for 38 years, he lay there having not been able to actually get into the water. And here comes Jesus who feels sorry for him, who, who, who empathizes for his situation, but asks him a really, really important question. And this is where, you know, Baptist preachers will start to ask questions like, why would Jesus ask a question if he is omniscient? 
if he knows all, why would he ask the question? The question obviously was not for his information, but for revelation. And in the man's response is a revelation that I, I really hope if you get nothing else from listening to this episode of this podcast, you will hear this. Jesus says to the man, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be whole? Here's the man answer five and seven. He says, sir, the the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I am trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me, sir. I would love to take care of myself, but someone else. I would love to do the right thing, but someone else. I would love to be healed, but someone else. And the hardest thing for people suffering to really embrace is that they alone have the power to change their situation. They alone have the ability to make it right. And as long as you tell yourself a story about other people, Bishop Jakes was preaching this sermon and he talks about the fact that, you know, we point to our haters, but everybody's got haters. We point to, you know, the system built up against us, but everybody's facing a system that's built up against them. The reality is we change when we change. And that's hard. That's hard to accept when you are in your lowest state and you can barely believe in your own ability to make it through the day. It is hard. That man laying by the pool, having been there for 30 years, and now he's saying to God, somebody else. I would get up, but somebody else. I learned something in uh, in therapy, and it is a very simple um, formula, and I'm going to share the formula right here. Uh, now, it's experience plus resistance equals suffering. Let me say that one more time. Experience plus resistance equals suffering. We all experience trials and tribulations. We all experience loss. We all experience hopelessness at some at some point in time we all experience trouble it's the resistance to what is that creates the suffering and the resistance is a story that it should not be what it is that it should be different that somebody else should that i should that she should that he should that god should as long as we should <laughs> We're not facing what is. Um, one of the people that I have been studying lately who has been spiritually blessing me is a lady named Byron Katie. And she talks about the end of suffering. And, and the end of suffering is found in loving what is. Her book, Loving What Is, is, is something that right now I am digging into. And it's challenging me deeply because simply accepting. And acceptance is not about liking the bad things. It's not about, you know, celebrating the negativity in your life. It's about accepting it as, as it is. It's about not telling your story that it should be something else, that you should have been, that somebody should have picked him up and, and helped him into the water, that somebody walking by should have tried to, you know, look after him. As long as we are shoulding, we are not doing. So experience plus resistance creates suffering. And a lot of times the story we tell ourselves about our own suffering compiles the suffering. 
They don't care. That's why they're not calling. That's not why they're not reaching out. They don't understand. And that's why no one can, you know, help me through this. Even if they knew they wouldn't do anything. All stories that we tell ourselves in our suffering. That instead of relieving the, the, the suffering, which is what we really want when we're telling these stories, it creates more suffering. And for me, that's how I dug a hole deeper and deeper. But I challenge those of you who are in that space. And I challenge those of you who are not in that space, but know somebody that's suffering. Stop judging their story. Stop judging their should. Help them to see that what is, is. And that's it. Help them to see that they have the power to, to pick up their bed and walk. They have the power to create healing in their life. They have the power to change their circumstances. They have the power to heal their broken heart. But that power is not theirs alone. It's shared. <laughs> That's where the anointing comes in. But as long as we stand in the way of the power of God, which we do with our actions then we can't get where we want to go and we can't get to what we want to get to. So for that man, it had been 38 years. It had been a while since he was able to walk. It had been a while since he was able to do and to be and to experience joy and to experience life and to experience hope. It had been a while. And I know what it feels like to look at your life and go, it's been a while. It's been a while since I was happy. It, it's been a while since I was at peace. It's been a while since I felt love unconditionally. But experience plus resistance equals suffering. Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your mat, take up your bed and walk. Here's the inspiration. Uh, I began the chapter in the book with a quote from um, Psychology of Teaching and Learning, a, a, a group, um, a research group. And the quote, the quote really touched me and I think it connects to the conversation we're having now. It says, the aptitude that ripens from within and wants to unfold does not remain ready for an unlimited time but atrophies and disappears when the environment does not help it to develop. And to me, that says the man laying down there, the invalid laying by that pool, knowing that his healing was just a few steps away. You know, in the beginning, th that desire and the ability matched up, but but the aptitude, the understanding, the courage, the things that it took for him to get up and, and go. Over time, that atrophies. Over time, that starts to dissipate. If the environment is not ripe, if the environment is not encouraging, if the environment is not um, filling. And so my encouragement, my... Uh, push to you the listeners is to check your environment 
after 2014, slowly over time, I pulled away from ministry. And from a standing before the people and 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 sharing you know from from a spiritual place i felt like i had to do that because i was running on empty but having done that i changed the environment and when that environment changed that's where atrophy uh, uh was able to take place and it becomes harder and harder to pick up to get up and to to start over to brush yourself off to pick up the bed and walk and so, you know, this song, I, I really do uh, like the original song. Stain did an amazing job. Uh, it takes me uh, back in my mind to some time in high school listening to it. And I wanted to I wanted to offer it. Um, yes, from a place of pain, but a, a reminder of how important it is to place yourself, even in the midst of pain, in an environment that's going to encourage, that is going to allow for growth and development and, and, and reshaping. Because at the end of the day, if you do not, <laughs> you become the invalid who is stuck laying by the pool so close to your destiny, so close to your purpose, so close to your breakthrough, so close to your destiny but never making it there. And so I encourage each and every one of you, whether it's you who have been suffering or whether it's somebody that you know, watch the environment. You know, be sensitive to the fact that some people may not be able to hear your spiritual colloquialisms because if they are here, they cannot think in that logical space. But pray, encourage, place an environment that will allow that lid to come back down and then minister and then share the word and then pray with. Listen, these these are tough times that we are living in and, and the suffering that I experienced in 2014 is not my suffering alone. So many other people have experienced so much more than I ever did. But my hope is that addressing the controversy, the things behind the situations that we don't talk about will create an environment where more people can take up their bed and walk. Thank you guys for listening. Trauma survivors, trauma supporters, to all of you, my TS Strong community, thank you so much for investing the time to watch or to listen to another episode of the Controversy Podcast. I, your host, Brandon T. Bailey, am so grateful for your time, your attention, your energy, and your effort to support this very, very, very important mission. Listen, as we endeavor to make our show better and continue to offer incredible resources to all of you, the TS Strong community, I do have an ask. I'm going to ask that you subscribe, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you think. Let us us know what we could do better let her let us know what kind of resources we can continue to offer to all of you the ts community so that we can all together learn to live ts strong all right finally i want to personally invite you to the controversy project facebook group a safe place 
It is a free and exclusive community where trauma survivors and trauma supporters have gathered together to share testimonies, to share resources, and to share support and love for each other as all of us are endeavoring to learn to live TS strong. This is just another one of the many multimedia platforms that we have chosen to use in order to fulfill this very, very important mission. And I want to welcome, I want to invite you to be a part of it and obviously welcome you to it uh, in advance. Listen, in closing, until next time, I want to remind each and every one of you how important it is for you to confront your pain, how important it is for you to live your purpose and how important it is for you to invest in your project. Till next time, peace.